All right. This is the Daily Power of Parsha. Let's, uh, let's study some Torah. So today we start a brand new Torah portion and get ready for this and a brand new book to boot. When I say book, I mean the book of the Torah. So new week, new portion, new book. This is book number five of five. If you thought the first four were great, oh boy. You know what they say about sequels? Never as good as the original, but with Torah, it's always getting better. So fifth book of the Torah is called, help me out here, guys. What's it called? It begins with a D. Good, excellent. I feel like it's a game show. Don't worry. It's not uh, It's not in the test. So Deuteronomy. Um, what does Deuteronomy mean? I'm not proficient in Latin, but my understanding is that it's related to do which means two. So Deuteronomy is what we would say, um, at least generally, you know, not maybe not a little translation, but it, it means the second instance of the law. And the reason why it's called Deuteronomy is because this book of the Torah repeats a lot of the laws that we've discovered over the last three books of the Torah. So from the book of Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, a lot of the laws that are a lot of the laws that are um, taught in those previous books are being repeated here in the context of something very important. So what I want to do right now is give you a little bit of the context of what this book is all about. So we know so far it's called Deuteronomy in English. Oh, the Hebrew. It's the Hebrew name for the book is Devarim, which I'll talk about soon. Um, and we know that it's somehow repeated the law. But the question is, why are we repeating the law? What's going on here? So let me give you a little bit of context. The entire book of Deuteronomy takes place in a span of 37 days. The entire book, this fifth book of the Torah, takes place 37 days. First book of the Torah, Genesis covers a few thousand years of history. This book zooms in on 37 days. The last 37 days of the life of Moses. Moses passes away on the seventh day of the Jewish month of Adar. Rosh Chodesh Shvat, which is the first of the month before. So the first day of the month of Shvat, he begins assembling the people every day to speak with them about what they need to know before he passes away. If you recall, maybe you remember this a few years ago, there was a professor. I don't remember his name. I don't remember where he was a professor. But what I do remember is that he was diagnosed with cancer and he knew that he was going to die. And so he gave something like, I think it was called like his last lecture or something like that. So anybody remember this? Yes? Hold on, I'm not, Donna, I'm, I'm mute yourself. Yeah, there was a movie that was made about that, yeah. yeah. Might have been a Carnegie Mellon professor, is that possible? Sounds right, yeah. Yeah, because from Pittsburgh, whatever. Anyway, he was professor, um, uh, diagnosed with cancer, you know, given only a, a little bit of time to live, and he gives this lecture. Think about it in, 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 in these terms. Moses, the ultimate leader, the ultimate lover of his people, so to speak, 
wants nothing more than the best for them. And he knows that very soon they're on the border. I mean, they're like, they're the moment they step the next advance, he's done. So he takes the last 37 days of his life. His birthday was also on the seventh day of Adar. And I guess he had a tradition, maybe he had a tradition or, or just worked out like that, that he passed away on his birthday. He lived exactly 120 years. For the last 37 days of his life, from the first of, uh, first of Shvat to the seventh of Adar, 37 days, he gathers the people every day and he speaks to them about what they need to know. So can you imagine that conversation, right? What's he saying? Don't forget that law. Don't forget the other law. Don't forget the mistakes that you made when you complained or whatever it is. That's why it's called Deuteronomy. Because the whole book is Moses speaking to the people, reminding them about the last 40 years together, reminding them about the law, and encourage, encouraging them for their next step forward. Don't forget when you go into the land. Don't do this. Do that. Don't forget what happened 40 years ago. Sin of the spies. Don't make that mistake again. Believe in God. The entirety of the book is essentially a plea. I don't know any other way to say it. A heartfelt plea from like a parent figure to a child, from a from a from the the mentor to the mentee, from the guru to whatever it is, right? From the leader to the people. Please keep keep on the path. Keep on the, you know, don't, don't let me down. Don't let yourselves down. Don't let God down. That's the whole book. What's interesting is because of this, it's written in a very different way than the first four books of the Torah. The first four books of the Torah are written in a kind of um, anonymous narrator voice. And I'll tell you what I mean. The rest of the Torah talks about God and God spoke to Moses. And God, so who's, who's writing this, Right? Not God, because as God spoke to Moses, and not Moses. If it was God, God would have said, I spoke to Moses. If it was Moses, Moses would have said, then God spoke to me. So who's writing this? And God spoke to Moses. Yeah. Yeah, understanding is from a divine perspective, but it's, it's like a, a higher narrator. What's going on? But the book of Deuteronomy is fundamentally is written fundamentally different. The book of Deuteronomy is written in a way where Moses is speaking in the first person. It starts, the first few verses are still that narrator, right? That third party narrator voice. But very quickly, and I'll, we'll pull up the screen in a moment and we'll study, we'll read it together a little bit. Very quickly, it jumps right into first person, which is very strange. And then God spoke to me, says Moses. And then I told you the Jewish people. And then you told me, and then I went back to God. Moses is speaking. This is the transcript of what Moses pleaded, encouraged, charged, right? The people with the last 37 days of his life. Without that context, the book of Deuteronomy sounds strange. It's different. Why are we repeating the, like, what's, what, what's, what's the, what's going on in this whole book? It doesn't make any sense. All you need to know is this context. Here you have the greatest leader. He knows he's dying. He's going to die. He, he's dedicated. 
By the way, this also speaks to Moses' leadership, right? It's not like he's going to live out the rest of his life and maybe go skydiving, right? He knows, right? So what am I going to do? Bucket list. Let me cover that. You know, I got caught up in this whole, you know, leadership thing. No, the last month, month and month and a week, let me go, um, I don't know. Let me go uh, visit the pyramids of Egypt. No, I'm kidding. That wouldn't be a thing. Let me go visit. That was a joke. Let me go visit, uh, you know, whatever. No, he's dedicated to the people. He doesn't, he doesn't break character. One thing we also find in the book of Deuteronomy is Moses is not afraid to chastise. Not, not, in, an, not in an angry way and not in a um, vicious way, but he's not afraid to point out the mistakes that were made by the people in the past and the consequences of those mistakes in the, for the purpose of reminding them what not to do in the future, right? Remember when this happened, don't do that again. So, um, thank you. So let, let me pull up the screen and I'll share with you some of the, um, some of the beautiful verses in the book of Deuteronomy. Okay, let's pull this up. Share screen. Okay, Deuteronomy, check this out. Oh, you should also know that as Moses chastises the people, he does it in a... Your voice isn't coming through. Your voice isn't coming through. Maybe use chat for that. That's better. Can other people hear? No. 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 Did we lose our rabbi? Yeah, it says he's not in the meeting. I think he got dropped. Something happened to the connection. Cliffhanger. We don't know if he's coming back or not. He'll come back. He'll come back. Yeah, he probably Have needs faith. to figure out that he's not here. Have faith. There, almost. I'm back. You're back. It's amazing. Hey. Be All right, listen, my connection, I don't know what's going on. What are you going to do? It's Florida. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. How come I don't see my screen? That's why I got to share my screen. Okay. Well, I cut out. I'm glad that you're still here. I hope you had fun while I was gone. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let me try this one more time. Let me share this screen. We've got to study some tarot together. Uh, share screen. Start now. Okay. Tell me. Can you? Yes. Yes. No. Yes. Yes. Okay. 
start again. These are the words which Moses spoke to all Israel. Yes? Yes. Israel, on that yes. side of the Jordan, in the death, in the plain opposite the Red Sea, between Paran and Topol and Lavan and Hatserot and Dizahav. So this, at the, on the surface, is telling us where Moses spoke to the Jewish people. But in truth, as all the commentaries point out, these places don't exist in the same, these are not the same place, right? The, the, the Jordan, okay, fine, they were on the other side of the Jordan, but it's not the plain opposite the Red Sea between Paran and Tophel and Lavan and Atzeret, these Ahav. These places are not in the same place, which prompts the commentaries to explain that these were all euphemisms that Moses used in, in chastising, you know, pointing out mistakes of the past. For example, the phrase, I'm going to screen, hopefully you see that. Those words, dizahav, means too much gold. Is that a euphemism for or reference to? The sin of the golden calf. Um, all of these references of places are kind of like this message brought to you by this place, that place, the other place. These are all references that Moses made in his opening words to mistakes that the Jews have made in the past. Do you remember the mistake at the Red Sea when they were not believing in God? Remember the mistake uh, by Paran, Opa, Lava, Nazareth, Dizahav, Dizahav, I want to focus on, is the sin of the golden calf. Zahav means gold. Sin of the golden calf. So Moses reminds them of the sin of the golden calf. Again, not in an angry way or an, even in an overt way, but in a subtle way. But even in the subtlety, he defends them. Dizahav means too much gold. It's almost like Moses is saying, guys, do not make another golden calf. But God, in case you're going to get angry at them again for me bringing this up, I want you to know you gave them too much gold coming out of Egypt. You gave them too many resources. They had so much gold, they didn't know what to do with it. They ended up making a golden calf, but he's, he's sharing the responsibility almost by saying that they left with too much Egyptian wealth that it got the better of them. So here we see that even as he kind of rebukes or let's say subtly reminds the Jewish people of their failings of the past, he also tells God, don't get too excited or don't get too angry because you're also responsible for this. They made a mistake, but you enabled them to. You gave them too much gold. Moses is the ultimate defender of the Jewish people to the very end. Even when he needs to speak with them a little bit harshly in his final words, he will never stop defending the people before God. Okay, I want to highlight another verse or two. So here, verse three, like I said before, this is, uh, should be crystallizing what I said before. It came to pass in the 40th year, since the Exodus, in the 11th month, the month of Shvat, on the first of the month, so it's Rosh Chodesh Shvat, that Moses spoke to the children of Israel according to all that the Lord had commanded him regarding them. And timeline, this is after Sichon and Og, the two big kings were, uh, were killed, were, 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 were battled by the Jewish people. Um, and the Jewish people were victorious. Okay, so let's let's see verse number five. On that side of the Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses commenced and explained this law. I love that. He explained the law. In other words, he reviewed it. But the commentaries say also, let me see if I can toggle Rashi here and if it's going to work. Uh, even on mobile, it works. I believe that Rashi will tell us something else about explaining the law. Here we go. Take a look explained this law. He explained it to them in 70 languages. Uh, there's another... I don't know why it has this other... Moses translated the Torah 
into 70 languages. There were 70 nations at that time in human history, 70 known languages for the 70 nations. The point is Moses gave them a translation, gave them a, uh, yeah, translation, a transmission in all, in all known languages. And the question is, at that point in time, why did they need the translation? Why did they need the translation of the Torah? So here's what I want to share with you. Hold on. Okay. Yeah. Can you see me or you see the screen? You see me? No. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, yes. Okay. So here's the deal. The point of this is that Torah needs to translate into our lives. Right? If Torah remains an archive, if it remains a fossil of the past, if it remains something that is written in an ancient language, given to an ancient people at an ancient time, in an ancient context, then it's not Torah. It's some sort of fossil from the past that is not speaking to us. But Torah is meant to be something that constantly speaks to us. And Moses, by Moses translating the Torah and to all the languages before he passed away, what that means is that he's giving us the tools to translate the mess experience we will have in whatever context we will be in. So whether it's, you know, the Middle Ages, whether it's um, 2020, right? It doesn't matter matter where you are. It doesn't matter what, what language you are. And me, right? It can benefit us. That's the message of translate. What the people that he was with needed a translation. Well, how many languages did they speak already? Right? They needed 70 languages. It wasn't for them. It was for all time. And it was also giving us the ability to continue to translate Torah into our lives and to make it mean something for us. So these are the points that I wanted to share with you today. Um, number one. The book of Deuteronomy, as we launch the book of Deuteronomy, it's important to understand the context. It's not a narration of what God said to Moses or what happened. This is Moses facing the people and speaking to them. The nature of, his, of, of the conversation throughout the book of Deuteronomy is Moses encouraging the people forward without him. He knows he'll be gone soon. They're going to be God him. He encourages them to keep the faith by reminding them of the past, reminding them of the land. He says, you're going to go into Israel and things are going to be challenging this way, that way, the other way. Here's my, like a loving parent. He's guiding his this week and, and, and these weeks play children, his, uh, his people, forward. So that's the book of Deuteronomy. Moses criticizes, but only from a place of love. Doesn't say it clearly, alludes to it. Even in the illusion.
We lost, we lost you a bit. The audio. We lost the audio. Right. The video either. Oh, he's frozen. You're frozen. We lost the conclusion. It must be because you're in Florida. <laughs> he must be working to fix it. Gotta hear the end. All right. I'm we back. Yeah. I'm back. But I was just we missed okay. I, I, I see my connection is huh? very spotty. Yeah, anyway, the I see my connection is not great. So I'm going to close it out. I hope you got the messages for today. Tomorrow will be better Wi-Fi. That's my pledge. All right. So stay inspired. Remember, when you need to rebuke someone, do it out of love and do it from a place of concern and care for their well-being. Remember, the Torah always needs to speak our language. So let's keep on translating it. All right, have a wonderful day, everybody. Thank Stay you healthy. so much. Be safe.